this week's Moving Through Menopause podcast and I want to welcome Rebecca Reed this morning. Rebecca is an opera singer and, uh, and now she's living in York and teaching uh, singing lessons which I absolutely love to sing Rebecca. Did I tell you that? Yes you did, yeah. <laughs> well good morning Rebecca, it's lovely to have you with us. Good to be here. Thank you so much for coming along and, uh, and uh, you know, helping me, if not anybody else, to understand what on earth went wrong with my voice when it came to menopause. Because, you know, um, I've always been a singer regularly since I was very young and had singing lessons at school and uh, I've pretty much always sung in a choir. And, you know, uh, with the passage of time what I noticed was my soprano top notes started to become uh, quite croaky actually and uh, oh you know that was really disheartening for me because uh, you know well you, you are you a soprano by the way I am yeah oh okay so you will understand you can imagine yeah. what that might be like to lose yeah. the top notes and start to break you know, cr uh, creak and croak and uh, oh dear, it was terrible. So uh, we're here to talk a little bit about uh, shedding some light on the changes that might occur in our uh, vocal apparatus with the passage of time. But also I'm very aware that April is Stress Awareness Month. And, uh, and you know, there's something that I absolutely can say categorically is that singing is so good for the soul and you know and I you can't leave a rehearsal feeling cross or miserable or you know it's just not possible we all leave with a smile on our faces so we're going to address that a little bit as well maybe I will do some singing later who knows yeah. shall we begin with the croaking yeah okay so I think you can't really separate aging from menopause. Okay. You can't really separate them. Um, we know that men go through a similar thing as they age. Okay. But the range and of symptoms, the severity of symptoms is very different. So whilst they, they are seeing things, we as women are seeing the worst of it. Um, and I think when it comes to like vocal level, um, we're kind of looking at the role of estrogen and other reproductive hormones that mm. have jobs outside of um, our reproductive system. They, they, they have so many other jobs. And estrogen in particular has, um, has, a, has a role in the production of collagen. So that's, you know, we're talking, you know, the, we see changes in our skin, we see changes in like our muscle tone, our joints, the mm. connective tissues and things like that. So, you know, so, so it's quite reasonable to think that any hormone change is happening uh, at vocal level because your vocal cords are made up of muscle fibers and all sorts of um, skin. Um, so we can, that's where we're, seeing some of the changes mm. um but the other thing we're seeing is as part of aging is ossification so that that part where the larynx has been starting to sort of like stick together mm. um so it may feel that the croakiness is that the larynx isn't quite as flexible mm. 
So you, so it's not moving the way that you expect it to move, or it could be that the vocal cords are behaving slightly different. So it does, it does depend. Mm. Um, and it's very individual because it, the effects of hormone and aging affects us all differently. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense actually. Uh, just a general stiffening of the of the apparatus. Yeah, yeah. So, it, so it's less cooperative then, like uh, like lots of our parts become yeah. slightly less cooperative. So you know there is an inevitability around this uh, with the passage of time. But my experience as a movement specialist, uh, you know, teaching movement to people is that. Um, Practice is the thing that really, regular practice is the thing that really makes all the difference to how how our bodies cope with uh, physical uh, activity, and we can count singing amongst those uh, those activities with the passage of time. And so it is that ongoing practice, I suppose, is it? It is, and there's a there's like a a term or a phrase that's kind of cycling within this. Um, field of research singing and menopause that kind of says um, use it or lose it um, those that that regularly exercise their voice see less changes less severity of changes because they're kind of keeping up on the maintenance I suppose of the voice um, compared to those that are dipping in and out or are just using like they just using choral performances or or choir rehearsals as their it needs a bit more maintenance. It's, I suppose it's like a bit of machinery. The older the machinery gets, the more you need to use it to keep it in good shape. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. well, that that's it, isn't it? I think uh, so. It's interesting that a rehearsal once a week isn't isn't sufficient, is what you say. No, she's shaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's going to depend on. Um, this is where you need to kind of adopt a bit of an analytic brain when it comes to your voice, especially mm. more. More so as you get older, because like you say, that stiffness, that kind of um, that movement in the voice isn't doesn't come quite as easy. Mm. Um, That's so, true. So when you're exercising it, you need to be kind of thinking like, is it loosening up? Or do I need to try a different exercise? Do I need to do longer? Do I need to do shorter? Do I need um, do I need to do every day, just a little bit every day, or can I take a break? Um, because it, it 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 basically is very different for for every single person. So you've kind of got to know your voice like it like it's um a friend or a child, or you know you've got to know that when it's working, when it's not, and how to um how to get it moving again. Mm. And so it's got to be done more so on a regular basis as you get older, definitely. Yeah, I think that's right. So I, I, I can, I can definitely see the parallels. Um, you know, it's just a part of your body, and it's made of collagen, like like all the other bits. So, um, you know, for me, really, we're we're thinking at least three times a week is a minimum for for something that allows us to maintain a level. But if the if we are um, from a rehabilitation point of view, say you're coming back after injury. Uh, we might equate it to that. And then you would do um, much more regular practice, but in shorter uh, doses yeah. so that um, 
So maybe this, maybe the parallels are there that, that when you're getting back into something like, say me, for instance, I haven't really sung regularly for, I reckon, about five years now. And, uh, and actually, I was singing last night in the kitchen, kind of, I said to my sons, I've got, I've got to prepare. <laughs> you know, I left it a bit late, I think. But, uh, you know, I was singing in the kitchen. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to take work, you know, to get back to where I was before when I was singing so regularly. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, but, you know, and that let's not let that put us off because, uh, you know, singing is, is so good for us. And, um, you know, it, it exercises the brain. And, you know, it's particularly uh, beneficial for breathing, posture, uh, and managing excessive muscle tension. It, it does generate relaxation un undoubtedly. And you, like I say, you just can't leave a, a session feeling miserable. It's just not possible. So, um, so, you know, what kinds of things would you recommend? It, have you got some suggestions? In terms of exercising yeah so one of the things i think is is important is and this goes for younger singers as well this idea of warming up is kind of mm -hmm. something you can kind of yeah if you do it you know you probably should but you don't really you want to get in there you want to get in with the with the with the songs and um mm -hmm. it's the exercising that's really important it's the, if you only ever spend time exercising your songs are naturally going to improve but it's how you exercise. So okay. you kind of want to start with um, 10 minutes mm -hmm. and gradually expand that to about 20 minute sessions. And then, but the best way of doing that is like 10 minutes, taking an hour, doing 10 minutes, taking an hour's break and keep going. You can go all day doing that, but you mm -hmm. have to be very intentional when you're doing that. So mm -hmm. I think one of the things, you, especially as you get older, is you need to kind of, um, get it going first before you can properly start exercising is getting it going yeah. um, and you're a soprano aren't you was I don't yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the other thing where a lot of sopranos they start to lose their top notes and they start to panic so they move to alto and actually that can worsen the problem yeah well do you know what so, I, I just can't sing anything other than the melody so even if i'm supposed to be singing the uh, you know the the alto part the underneath part i end up gravitating back towards the tune so it's it's so hopeless i must say though I, i'll yeah. tell you this i lived in america for for uh, four years and i sang in america i sang female barbershop and so in in female barbershop the top part uh, isn't the melody it's actually the underneath part the the second part and so I, I sang what they call lead and so you're in a slightly lower register but you've got the tune so that actually seemed to suit me very well but then I came back to the UK and it was all top F and G and and I'm like okay it's not like it just wasn't coming out so anyway go on Okay, so the important part is to exercise the middle of your voice. Oh, okay. So if you look after the middle, mm. then either end takes care of itself. It's, oh. it's the middle that is your foundation. So for a soprano, you're looking between um, an E above middle C, 
and the octave above. And All it's right. about work, working this area first. Right. Um, and it's also in terms of when you move into your song practice, this is where you want to start mm. in this middle range and, and yeah. hang out here for a bit. Um, then add the top kind of when you're warmed up a little bit, you're feeling a bit more ready physically. And um, and then you want to be um, sort of almost doing like a cool down by coming back to this. I call it a reset. It's, you've, you've used the top, but you now don't want to reset where your middle is. Yes. And it, yeah. if you do it, structure it this way, uh-huh. the voice stays in shape a little bit longer. But I love it. <laughs> so if you want to get going, I'm going to start you kind of on a the E above middle C. Okay. And I'm starting you here mm. as a soprano because you have a a natural break. Somewhere mm-hmm. there's a soprano, F, F sharp, somewhere around there. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the sopranos, this is a sticky point. I no know. matter what age you are, this is a sticky point. Okay. You need to work the sticky point first. If you get the sticky point, then you'll start to be able to move back and forward between your middle and your lower much easier. Okay? Mm. So we're just going to take it really, really... Um, in small sections as well. So we're just going to do a very simple five note scale. And you can pick whatever vowel you want to do. E, F, A, O, U. Well, I'll say, I'll go with R. Ah, ah, it's easiest, yeah. It's R the easiest, yeah. Okay, go on then. But give me the note. Ah, ah, Good. And we're just going to move up. Good. Good. And then we're going to bring you back down. I was aware that I don't know how I breathed before I started then. Okay. <laughs> so the easiest way is to get rid of all the air first. Oh, yeah, good point. So blow it all out and then start and then, with a good breath. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm kind of getting you to do is move very smooth, uh, very small steps. We only went up to an F sharp and come back down. And then you'd go back up maybe two or three times until that bit comes a bit oh, less sticky. Okay. Then you add the next half step and then you come down and then you add oh, the next half step and you come down and you go up and you, you're just working this little area back and forward, back and forward. And you'll start to feel that stiffness, that um, mm. that not kind of wanting to get moving. Mm. That kind of starts to free up because you're mm. kind of just working the sticky areas and then expanding sticky areas. So this is where you kind of want to start right you practice in the morning you want to get it going and Mm. then later in the day when you feel a bit more physically you then want to add going to your upper passaggio so that sort of e f f sharp into the top g yeah work that the same way and then add your upper and your lower 
I mean, it, it is incredible, the parallels, actually. And, and I, I find it hard to believe that I haven't made this, uh, this comparison before. But, you know, so much of what you say to me has these parallels with, with the, uh, the physical uh, work that I teach, you know. And you said it all comes from the sort of the centre and, and Pilates mm -hmm. were all about the core, you know the center and then everything else uh, comes from that. So it is fascinating, the parallels. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and the fact that, like you said, practice is the thing, regular practice. And in the morning, don't start, you know, don't be too ambitious because your body's not warmed up yet. And, yep. uh, you know, the vocal uh, apparatus is just the same in that regard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I must say, Tom Jones is still at it. Yeah, and I think it's is down to how you use your voice. Mm. Um, and I think, like you said there, that, you know, like it draws parallels with um, terms of the movement side of things that you do. Mm. Is You can't just think about vocal level as a singer. You have to think much bigger. Mm. So you have to think about posture and breathing and you have to work close probably more I would say I spend most of my time working these areas rather than my voice because I need these foundations to work and if they kind of working together so I use like Pilates and yoga and things to support oh. these things I actually help my voice although I'm not actually practicing yeah I'm using sort of alternative therapies to support how the voice is going to behave um, and again this is something as you get older you need to do more of to maintain everything yeah well it's fascinating to hear you say that we I didn't realize we had so much in common <laughs> uh, you, yeah, to keep yourself physically fit uh, for, the, for the job that your voice has to then do and and you know like you said you, you I mean I don't imagine you could possibly be singing all day without uh you know fatigue setting in mm -hmm. so that working around working around the voice doing other things uh yeah it makes so much sense now that you talk about it so so what is your what is your story rebecca would you mind uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself yeah so um i actually started with music back when i was 12. Oh. um don't ask me why um, because I don't remember, I just I just went and auditioned for a musical instrument. Um, I wanted to play clarinet. Mm. Um, uh, I'm asthmatic, so my lung capacity, especially back then, was horrendous. I actually, I, it's so embarrassing. I couldn't even make the clarinet squeak. I couldn't <laughs> get any kind of noise out of it. Um, but they gave me a flute, and I just went home one day, and I just my dad was like, "What's that?" And I'm like, oh yeah, I need like 40 pounds for lessons. And um, so that's where I kind of started. I was I was a band geek. I was a massive, massive band geek. But I'm as a person, I'm quite a shy person. So although I did participate in choirs, I kind of um, tried to hide in the back. Mm -hmm. um, and because I am a darker, heavier soprano, I found it very confusing. Um, and I see this with some of my students actually, where they're they're not the kind of choral type 
the high sopranos they're the heavier sopranos um and it makes you think you're maybe an alto or a mezzo when actually you're just a darker soprano so i kind of dabbled in singing at school but by the time i was kind of going to university i kind of was like uh yeah i think um i'm gonna do a practical job i probably won't make any money as a musician i'll do a practical job and i I did a science at degree but when i finished i was like i'm gonna go and take some singing lessons and that's where i was that's where it kind of started for me and i spent four years struggling through trying to find like my voice i suppose um we did a lot of exam type music um and I just, I just felt like it's like it's it's there, but it's it doesn't fit. It's like there's something missing. That connection is kind of missing. Um, and we were looking at grade six, and she gave me a voice Pete from the Marriage of Figaro. Right. I've done and that. And it was like it was just like. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that. <laughs> and and kind of. Um, because of that i kind of well because of that and because at the time she had to move elsewhere so i had to look, find another singer a singing teacher and um and i kind of found an opera singer locally and i was working with her and that's kind of where my interest in singing and menopause came from because she she made like an offhand comment one day um that by the time i was 50 i'd probably be a mezzo um, I wouldn't, she, well, her, her theory was I wouldn't lose my voice. I would just become a mezzo. Yeah. Um, and I'm one of them students. I'm like, why? Like, I want to know why. Like, why am I spending all this time as training as a soprano if I'm... Inevitably, I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I have to retrain and relearn lots of new repertoire and things. Um, and she just kind of shrugged and was like, well, that's just the way it is, you know. Um, because it is not talked about. So um by the time i i kind of gone through that and i'd gone through my own kind of vocal struggles with getting the right technique for me getting it to work mm. um i decided that i liked this idea of that well i suppose a holistic approach looking outside of the voice using lots of different things and i found lots of people were asking me questions mm. about I was a singer. I was in different groups, you know, in different performances, and people just naturally cut and kept asking me questions about, oh, I have this problem. How do I fix this? Or, you know, when you do that, like, how do you do that? So I started to get more interested in this kind of teaching side, and I think that kind of appealed to my sciencey brain that I do have. Um, so when I did my music education masters, and we were kind of discussing what I do as a dissertation um this this thing came back in my head this memory of by the time i'm 50 i probably will be a mezzo and it was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna find out why this happens and i did my research um and i suppose kind of naively <laughs> i thought i'd get the answers what actually i got was a million more questions yeah, so yeah. research is ongoing but um yeah so i now teach in this very holistic way and i teach a lot of um shall we say mature singers that Mm -hmm. kind of come to a same a similar point where what was working is not quite working as it used to so not only are we do you have to work on the 
the technique, the kind of what's going on. Because um, as we get older, we do start to see a lot of, um, I don't know if it's a term that you use as well, maladaption. So oh, yeah, yeah. One Absolutely. thing changes and then, then it kind of um, has like a snowball effect. Um, yeah. But it's also the mindset because mm. the voice is not going to be the same. But it can also, it can be different, but it's like adjusting to what that different sound feels like. Yeah, I suppose, you know, like you say, it can be different. It can still be fabulous and wonderful, but the music still has those notes in it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's the problem. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think um, you're right. Absolutely, of course you're right. Uh, and, and it's just absolutely a fascination to me that I've been a singer and I've been a Pilates teacher and I've been a yoga teacher and I've never put the two together. Like, you know, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, and what was interesting really was that it was so disheartening for me. Yes. So disheartening to, to think that, you know, once something that was just, you could just do, uh, just, you just wasn't, it just wasn't happening in the same way. Uh, but, I, you know, I mean, actually the choir, the chorus that I sang with in America, we were, uh, we were a medal-winning chorus of a hundred women. I'll have you know. Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. We, we went to the to the world um, Sweet Adeline. It was a Sweet Adeline chorus. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. Uh, championships in Nashville, and we were sixth in the world. So, so I mean, yeah, there, there was actually. A, I think the best chorus. Funnily enough, you came from Nottingham. Yeah, the best chorus in the UK that was actually there was is called Nottingham Lace, and they're from Nottingham. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, but uh, uh, but a lot of those women were very mature women. I was one of the younger ones at the time, and this was probably uh, eight, nine years ago, ten years ago that I was singing with them. And uh, so, yeah, that, you know, it's possible is the thing isn't it you know and, and it's I do you know the other thing I should say those women had the the most fabulous faces because of using the facial muscles expressing mm -hmm. um you know with the with the face <laughs> meant that they they had they really were looking really good for their uh, for their seniority is is what I would say <laughs> definitely yeah absolutely so you you do you um kind of specialize in this client group then would you say a more the more mature audience i yeah i'm moving that way mm. um the, the research is not quite there it's an under-researched area yeah. um there's no kind of quick fix there's no one size fits all mm. you kind of got to take each student as they come in similar ways you would when they're younger but i think that the hardest thing is that is that mindset is mm -hmm. um is it's kind of realizing that what was there may not still be there and i actually did an interview with somebody for my research last year mm -hmm. she was a professional singer um and then she sort of later in life she, she kind of had children and she got more into teaching 
Mm. Um, and then she decided as her children got older, she wanted to um, go back into performing, doing more of it. Um, and she found that by this time, her voice is kind of going for a change and it's not quite a performing the way it used to. But despite the fact that she was such a, uh, you know, a quite um, experienced performer, and she had all this other knowledge from teaching, all the technical knowledge. She still couldn't fix it herself. Oh. So she was kind of trying to like troubleshoot, I suppose is the best way, or trying to taking, drawing on that performance experience and drawing on her technical knowledge that she still couldn't figure it out, that she ended up seeking one-to-one teaching to find out what she thought was the root cause was actually not the root cause it was something completely different and but she said you know what happened when she went through that phase of deciding one-to-one lessons um her voice actually came out much better on the other side than it did ever when she was younger and that could be because of this like ossification Mm. that's happening um Mm -hmm. because there are positives to it there are there are positives. I know you might see less flexibility, less agility, but you might see a darker, bigger like yeah. quality. The resonance might improve. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of uh, there's benefits and there's not not so many benefits. But it is, I think, it is the mindset of the singer, and that is probably the, the the hardest challenge. Yeah, and you know what? This is. This is the case in just about every facet of our lives, mm-hmm. in actual fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that's interesting that somebody who was a professional was also a teacher and yet couldn't find it within herself to, to have the solution to the problem. And so this is, you know, lots of people are, why do I need somebody to teach me uh, something that I know, uh, something I've been doing it for years or uh, I go to classes and, you know, but if there's a problem and we're trying to tackle it on our own, then, you know, we, we, we some often need this just outside pair of eyes yeah. to, to, to take a look at this situation. Um, and so, yeah, never, never think, I never think I've got all the answers for, for myself or, or for anyone. I think that we have to be open-minded and uh, take each situation on a case-by-case basis and, mm-hmm. uh, and always be willing to accept that we are willing to, to know that we don't have all the answers, but that maybe we know a man who does or a woman who does. <laughs> and work together for the greater good and um and just know that you know that there is so much science around the benefits of of singing you know you don't have to be good and i think my uh, my little uh example earlier probably uh, alludes to that you know that, uh, that definitely there's work to be done but learning new skills generates change in the brain uh, it can stave off the uh, the effects of aging on the brain tissue. Uh, it's cognitively stimulating to learn a new skill, uh, a new song. It can improve our memory. And, uh, and also, particularly if you were singing with a group, it's fantastic for social networks. And, uh, you know, there, there, I read something about uh, having a good social network 
is better than giving up smoking for your health. So, you know, it's that important that we are. And, you know, right now, I know that we maybe we can't singing is the one one of the things like uh, exercising that we're not supposed to do together because of the um, the mouth breathing that goes on and the risk of spreading the virus around. But uh, do you know what? I, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about humming being very good for us, actually, in terms of boosting our immunity, like singing. Mm -hmm. and uh and so that humming is is uh, done with your mouth closed isn't it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know through the nostrils so uh <laughs> we might not be able to sing it together well actually we can because we can do it online can't we rebecca i think that's actually one of the positive things that's come out of this whole pandemic is this the virtual choirs mm -hmm. because people that either can't leave the house or struggle to leave the house generally or people who maybe are a little bit shyer about singing with other people, mm. they can mute themselves and they can sing and they can get all those benefits, you know, without leaving the house. And so I think that's a, one of the positive things that have come out of this whole thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping it will continue, actually. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. There's so many uh, in that regard. There is a lot of positives in the, in the spread of technology. Um, being able to access things remotely if you don't have something local to you, you know, because that can be the case. Uh, like my sweet ad lines that I so enjoyed when I lived in America. Uh, and like I say, nearest quiet chorus to me is in Nottingham, and it's just a bit of a, a to-do, you know, to get yes. to Nottingham and back. Uh, in an e And it's always in the evening and you're yeah. sort of, you know, nodding off. But... <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so to join in with these things virtually is such a bonus, isn't it? And uh, and even the lessons. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I imagine you can do this remotely too. Yeah, it's not as good as face-to-face. -face. No. Um, but, you know, as times are, I've got students who don't live locally, mm. um, but they like the kind of approach that I do. So they've been coming to online for that reason. Mm. Um, and it's also good for keeping that progression because you know like with the maladaption if you when you're singing you know training you're kind of on a track but you kind of keep coming off the track and the teacher's job is to keep putting you back on the track if you don't have that consistency of lessons um you can veer quite far off the track and it takes a long time to put you back on so yeah there's, there's benefits to it um i'll yeah. never stop doing face to face though no, I'm not allowed. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I, th I think that is right, and it's abs it's exactly the same with movement that we have our default that we sort of veer back towards, and if if we're not getting the guidance on a regular basis, um, yeah, those little habits slip back in with great mm -hmm. ease. So um, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, you know, I absolutely have thoroughly enjoyed our chat this morning. Thank, Thank you it. so much for giving your time, and um, and so I we are definitely going to stay in touch, Rebecca. So thank you again. It's been wonderful Thank to chat. Thanks so much. That's brilliant. Thank you.